welcome to Shaken or Stirred. I'm glad to have you here with us this week. I want to remind you to follow us on Instagram at Shaken or Stirred Podcast uh, so you can keep up to date and put a face to the name because we do post pictures of our guests there on our site. So go ahead and give us a follow there. This week we're hearing from Dallas who grew up near the Bay Area and he is black and white. And he shares a lot of great stories and experiences with us, and we really had a great conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Again, thank you for having me on. This is an honor, so I really appreciate that. My name is Dallas Jabrowski. Uh, I am half black and half white. My mom is black. My dad is white. He's, he's uh, as white as you can get with red hair. <laughs> um, so that's him. Um, I'm not sure of the ancestry as far as on my mom's side. I just, I just always say we're black, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I kind of want to do a DNA kit yeah. at some point. I think that would be really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I get around to that, then maybe I'll come back and let you know. Yes. Um, but as far as my dad's side, I know we're Polish. And the only reason I know we're Polish is because my last name ends in SKY. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that's just classic Polish right there. Right. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area in a city, more of a town called Antioch. Okay. Um, it is more of a suburb of the of the Bay Area. It's the okay. East Bay. Um, and so I grew up with, you know, obviously my parents, and then I have two uh, sisters, two little sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I actually just had a conversation the other day with my mom. Um, I asked her a question that's been burning ever since this whole situation has come up with racism. Yeah. Um, Because I was curious. I've never asked her this question before. So I said, hey, mom, um, you know, I I don't know if I'm off base here and and I'm not saying this is wrong. I just this is just an observation I've made. Um, You know, growing up, now that I look back at it, I feel like I was very shielded from Mm -hmm. black culture. Right. And I was like, I don't know if that's if if that's right or not, but that's just how I feel. And she's like, you know what? Yes. In a way we did. She said, one of the first things she said to me was Dallas, um, you are black. You were born, you, you're black. So you already have a strike against you. So I want to give you every single fighting chance mm-hmm. to get ahead of the game. Um, and so, you know, that was part of it was shielding me from, from black culture. Um, and you know, that whole, I already have a strike against me because I'm black. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it, I don't know if I completely agree with my mom on that. I get where she's coming from. Yeah. But I'm not sure if I completely agree with her um, on that. That's something I've had to wrestle through because um, mm-hmm. I've never, like I said, shielded from black culture. I've never really felt, I don't know. I think I have a little bit of privilege of my own that I've had to yeah. face yeah. Um, through this whole situation. Like I, you know, I was, she gave me every opportunity to get ahead of the game and I I think I've been able to take advantage of that pretty well. And so that's, that's a little bit of my privilege coming in that I've had to face even at, even as um, a black person, a half black person, I've had to face that. Um, But she said she almost also shielded me because there's a lot of um, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, gang activity and sexual abuse on the black side, on her side of the family. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's a safety thing. Right. So that was definitely I was like, OK, I, I understand that. She goes, that doesn't mean I never stopped you from seeing um, the black side of the family. And she didn't. I clearly remember yeah. hanging out with them my whole childhood. 
Yeah. Um, she's like, but I didn't want you to judge them when you got older and you can make your own decisions based on all this going on. So like literally a couple days ago is the first time I ever heard about all this abuse that's going on on her side. And it kind of just blew my yeah. mind. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's where, I, that's where I was at. My mom did everything to set me forward. And so, yeah, I felt like I lived on the white side, so mm-hmm. to say, for lack of better terms, mm-hmm. than the black side, you know. So, I mean, kids in high school would come up to me, black kids in high school, and they'd start talking to me. And I kid you not, they w- it was like they were speaking a completely different language to me. I didn't understand <laughs> what they were saying. Yeah. And I had to ask them, like, hey, I- I'm sorry for my ignorance, <laughs> but I need right. you to... I need you to explain what you mean by that. Or they automatically thought I was going to identify with them or, mm-hmm. or speak the same way or think the same way, which that really wasn't the case most, mm-hmm. most of my life, you know? Yeah, no, I'm glad you, you are sharing that because I feel the same way. Um, I was raised by two white parents. My biological father is black, but I wasn't yeah. told that um, until I got to APU actually. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, I was raised in a very white world, um, and I can definitely relate to having, feeling that I do did have privilege, you know, like, um, you know, my parents always told me, you can do anything you set your mind to. Um, I was never told even the whole, like, oh, well, you're black, so you already have one strike against you. You know, that wasn't even right. a thought in my mind um, yeah. for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, um, when you're talking about... Um, friends or people in high school, you know, trying to connect with them. Um, I felt that same kind of like, I do not know, you know, what's yeah. going on when I, when yeah. I, got <laughs> and I started going to BSA, you know, right. I would sit there and I, you know, I would listen, but I tried to be as quiet as possible because like, you know, I just, I felt out of place. Um, even though like I looked the part, you know, right. So yeah. even yeah. at even at APU, they were trying to uh, recruit me for BSA as well, mm-hmm. and uh, that scared me. That scared yeah. the heck oh, yeah. out of me. Like I like I don't I'm like I don't have anything co- to contribute. At least I don't think I didn't think I did at the time, and it kind of just scared me. Like I don't think like you guys, and I don't. But you know that was just my own kind of pride or ignorance, I guess. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, well, yeah, that is a lot of things. You know, just like yeah, for sure. Um, and at that age with us just trying to figure out, you know, who we are, where we belong and like what that looks like. Yeah, um, absolutely. Definitely super intimidating. Uh, yeah, I get that <laughs> for sure. Um, I guess so like growing up, um, did you, so I guess you were acknowledged that you were black or biracial. Um, but like, was there an instance, like maybe with friends or just like in general, like where you realize like, oh, like I'm a little bit different or like my family unit is a little bit different than like my peers. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's a fun, it's a bad story, but it's a funny story. Okay, um, I, <laughs> I was eight years old, eight year old Dallas. And I am walking and I did this several times. This is, <laughs> this is not just a one and done thing. I did this okay. several times. Um, it, we were going through, you know, some public place, we'll say grocery store. I remember specifically the grocery store this one time, eight year old Dallas, and he can see all the people staring at him because mm-hmm. I'm with my white dad who has red hair mm-hmm. and then there's me. So I can, I can tell I'm picking up on this as an eight year old. And I, I was like, this is going to be hilarious. So I, <laughs> I cupped my mouth. So my dad couldn't see me. And this black lady was staring at me. <laughs> so I cupped my mouth and I whispered. 
and mouth the words, help me, help me. (laughs) I'd remember her reaching into her purse to grab her cell phone and start to dial 911. And And I looked at her, I was like, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is my dad. And my dad finally picked up on what I was doing. He's like, He's like, dude, you gotta stop doing that. Like, oh you can't God. do that to me. Like, you just, <laughs> you just can't. So that 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 happened on a rare occurrence. So that, as young as eight years old, I I recognized that. Hey, our family looks a little bit different. But I thought it was awesome. You know, yeah, I thought it was absolutely awesome. And then one other instance I'll tell you is, you know, I was probably around the same age, maybe a little bit older. But I remember going to an Oakland A's game. That was just what me, what my dad and I did. Yeah. Um, growing up, and we. We're in the bleachers during batting practice, and I was standing next to him, and this guy was next to my dad, a white guy, and he looks at him, and he goes, hey, is that is that your son? And my dad was like, yeah, that's that's my son. He, he goes, no, 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 is that your, like, biological son? <laughs> and my dad's like, yes, that's my biological son. And I, and I looked at uh, the guy who was asking my dad the question, I said, you can't see the resemblance like and then we both like smiled and looked at him he goes oh man that's really awesome I like that we need more families like that in this world that was pretty cool yeah that is cool I like that um so yeah I want to hear more about like what do you think or what have you experienced as a blessing in terms of being biracial and then uh, we can move into like kind of what are the difficulties of it Oh, man, blessing of, of being biracial. Um, you know, I think I struggled with this question a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was talking to my wife about it and talking to Sierra about it. And, you know, that one's hard for me to answer because my identity, I've, I haven't always really fully put it in. I'm black, I'm white. I can't, you know, I'm just, yeah. I'm Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Dallas. I'm just, you know, I'm just me. And so, um, you know, obviously there's, there's been times where it stood out more than others. Um, but yeah, man, I don't really put my identity too much in being biracial. I think it's awesome. hundred okay. yeah. percent. It's super yeah. fun, super cool. And I get to see, you know, kind of two sides of things. I guess the blessing of it is I get to bridge the gap sometimes yeah. between our families. Um, and you know, both sides of the families get along really, really well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe I get to bridge the gap. And also I get to experience two different cultures, which I think is a very, very positive thing. Like, I love diversity. Diversity is a strength. I mean, if God made every human being the same, that would be super, super boring. Right. But it just shows the awesomeness and creativity of our God. But, um, yeah, just I got to experience two different cultures. And, like, I had fun and really great experiences on the black side of my family. And same thing with on the white side of my family. And we both struggled. And, you know, the common thing was like, Hey, we're, we're human. You know, we, yeah. we have, our, we have our moments, but I got to experience gumbo and <laughs> collard greens and sweet potato pie. Like, man, I didn't even know, know I liked that stuff. And that right. is like one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite foods. All, all those things are my favorite foods. And, you know, I wouldn't, that's not something I experienced on mom and dad's or mom or dad's side of the family. And yeah. we try to get them to eat gumbo and collard greens and all that good stuff. But, you know, they got to stick with their pumpkin pie and, you yeah. know, all that good all yeah. that good stuff. But it's just fun to be a gap and also just experience two sides of things. So that's awesome. For sure. And then, so on the flip side, would you say there are any difficulties or like, uh, yeah, difficulties in it? You know, I never had a um, 
I never had a positive black male influence or role model, role model in my life mm-hmm. um, until recently. Um, I've made a couple of friends through church who are, they're just some stand up dudes. They love Jesus. They're just great human beings and, and they're pos- and they have, you know, their fathers and, you know, the, yeah. they've been married and they've just been a really great influence for me. But growing up, I didn't really, I didn't really have that. And I didn't know that I needed that until like, you know, recently. And I, it's been the world of difference to me. So I didn't, so maybe it has to do with that shielding or just Mm. maybe a path didn't cross with somebody, but I didn't really have that positive black male influence on me. And so there was a lot of, there was a lot of judging actually on my part, I think towards, towards black people in when I was younger, like just the way I thought, and maybe even a hint of just disgust or, or hatred or racism, because it was like, all the stereotypes like all I could see was all the stereotypes and that's that's not who people are people are more than stereotypes Um, that's just something that we've placed on people yeah um so I mean that's that was really negative for me and I think if I would have had some sort of positive black male role model you know Mm -hmm. then you know I could have seen past that you know obviously I've you know Like, that's not the way I think anymore, but I've had to come to terms with myself and be honest, like, hey, that's how you thought, that's how you were, and, um, you know, all the way up until maybe uh, end of college or something like that, and so that was pretty, that was difficult, I suppose. Yeah, no, I I definitely uh, relate with that, too, because, you know, like, being removed from something, not necessarily being, like, in a specific community and only seeing, you know, like specific stereotypes, like you said, from the outside. Yeah. It obviously shapes your mind and, you know, the way you think about others. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, So do you know if, if you can, if you know, do you know how your parents' relationship was? Um, Like, you know, like when they got together, like, was there any, I don't know, backlash, any side eyes towards their relationship and like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So my, um, parents, they got, they got married really young, mm-hmm. uh, 19 and 20, I think it was, okay. uh, they had me out of, out of wedlock. So that, <laughs> that right away is a red <laughs> flag yeah. to my, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had me out of wedlock. And so that, um, was a red flag to my dad's side of the family mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll back up before they got married. Um, my mom wanted to go to, um, prom to her high school prom or I think it was her senior one. And my mom and her mom and my dad all worked at uh, Walmart together. Okay. And her mom said, you can only go to the prom if you go with Rusty, my dad. Mm-hmm. And so she really wanted to go. She didn't really like my dad at the time, but she's like, <laughs> I want to go to the dang prom. So she ended up going with my dad. So needless to say, obviously my mom's side was okay with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there was never really any issue there, but yeah. So they had me out of wedlock that kind of put a strike against my mom there on my dad's uh, side of the family. Yes. Um, and then uh, we would have Sunday dinners at um, Papa's house. That's my dad's grandpa, my great grandpa. Okay. And this was a tradition since before I was born all the way up until, you know, now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so family dinner every Sunday, mom would show up. And I guess in the beginning, 
it was it was kind of kind of ugly. Like they would give her those side eyes. They would kind of give her like a little shove when they were like scooching past her, and like yeah. they would kind of uh, out her a little bit wow. from the group. And people weren't very accepting of her. Wow. Um, and man, I I just again I just learned this a couple of years ago, so this mm-hmm. is fairly new to me. Like I could I didn't recognize that growing right, up. Right, obviously, yeah. Um, and if you see my family now, you would have no clue that that existed. Mm-hmm. No clue. Like everybody loves each other, and there's none none of that in in anybody's heart. So that's why I was just like, what? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that happened. Um, my grandpa in particular was not fond of her at all. Um, for you know she wasn't really a christian at the time as well mm-hmm. um and the the wedlock thing and she's black and this is like what i think my i remember my mom saying that he said to her i'm worried about what my grandson aka me is yeah. going to look like mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. like what if he has dark skin and she's like what do you mean what if yeah. he probably right. is going to have dark <laughs> right. skin and he was and he was very concerned about the way that i would look Mm-hmm. namely my skin color mm-hmm. and so um yeah that, that's kind of how how they grew up again now you would never even realize that that happened that any of that stuff happened but yeah wow wow that's crazy and I think it's also funny that you're saying like you know like I'm just now finding out about these things <laughs> you know like because yeah. it's the same with me like I still have yet to hear a lot of stories um yeah you know because it is a process but yeah that's that's crazy um well but i'm proud that they were able to you know stay together and you know get through that and that yeah, absolutely. kind of just changed in their hearts and their minds that's awesome yeah um all right so i'm gonna move a little bit towards our present day so okay. obviously we have our social unrest going yeah. on um you know everything with george floyd police brutality um so I guess the question is, what's, what do you think your role is in this right now? Um, yeah, or like, how are you approaching all of the conversations that are going on right now? Uh, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I have been overwhelmed. I've been overwhelmed to the point of, it, there's so much injustice, mm-hmm. and it's, it's breaking my heart. You know, I mean, injustice breaks God's heart, so therefore it should break our heart. And it truly is breaking my heart. The other day, I I went to go change over my laundry, and I had just I just started mm-hmm. weeping like this yeah. like this uncontrollable sob that I haven't done before in my life. Yeah. Um, because I was just hurting. Like I don't care who you are. If you're murdered, you know, if someone gets murdered, like that breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. I don't care what side you're on. If you're a police officer, you get murdered. If you're George Floyd, you know, it, it breaks my heart because it breaks God's heart, you know? And so I've been really overwhelmed um, lately and I have not been an active participant in injustice or oppression or, uh, you know, for my entire life, this is like the first time that I've actually cared. And that I like, I'm kind of ashamed to say that, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's really awesome because it's a growth that I'm able to see in me. Yes. Um, like I've never been involved. Like I, I didn't want to go. I went to a couple of protests. I didn't yeah. want to go. Like that's just not what I do. Yeah. And I just wanted to stay safe and you know, all this stuff. So uh, that's just not what I do. I remember we went to our very first one 
and in Sacramento here is with the chief of police. Mm -hmm. And from what I can tell, um, he's a pretty stand up guy. I've seen him in interviews and, and uh, kind of followed up on him even before yeah. all this started happening. So it was with him and his maybe 30 or so of his police officers. It was with um, uh, church people, like, you know, six yeah. or seven different churches. And so I was like, you know what? My my son, Kane, is going to be reading about this in yeah. the history books. And yeah. so when he comes home to me and says, Dad, what did you do? Right. And I have nothing right. to say to him. I said I did nothing. That's going to be embarrassing. Like, what, what am I teaching him? You know, what yeah. am I teaching him at that point? So I went to that as uncomfortable as I was, as much as I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. And during this march, peaceful protest, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, with the police officers and with, you know, high ranking church officials and, yeah. and church members, there was this point where the, it was just silent as we were as we were walking. Mm -hmm. And I got and I got overwhelmed again in that moment, but overwhelmed in a good way. Mm -hmm. Tears just started streaming down my face because I saw people of every you know, that scripture, every tribe, every nation, every tongue coming together yeah. to worship God kind of thing. Um, and there's young, old, black, white, red, yellow, brown, you know. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this is this has got to be what heaven's like. There's like a little taste of what heaven is. Right. And so I thought that was a pretty, a pretty awesome moment. Um, yeah. So my role is, is to is to speak up mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. and to have a, and to have all these conversations and you know it's not really a debate like <laughs> one I'm not a good debater but yeah uh, and I don't like and I think it's pointless sometimes because you're just yelling and arguing over the other person yeah it's not a debate this is about this is just about people's lives yeah, this mm -hmm. is about humanity you know and so people ask you know what side what side are you on I'm like I'm, I'm on the side of the oppressed I'm on the side of where there's injustice like yeah. I said if that's going to be on law enforcement side you know that's where I'm at because you know that's where that's where Jesus was at. if I read my Bible he was all correctly he was always for the oppressed and marginalized right yeah. yeah um and so if it's on the black if it's on black lives then I'm on that side you know and, yeah. and so I'm on the side of you know wherever injustice is and I guess my part in all this um, mm -hmm. practical solution, I guess, mm -hmm. is one to move away from an us versus them yeah. mentality. And because yeah. I think it could be us with them or us and them. I can be on my side, but I can also be on your side. Like it doesn't have to be one side or the other. Right. Um, but also I have a son on the way, as I've already mentioned and, and you know. And so the best that I can do that tiny little Dallas can do is teach my son um teach my son the word of god and, and the character of christ and how to imitate christ to the best of my ability if i can do that for him he's, he's going to help be the change he's, he's going to help be a part of the change yeah sure. um i mean the life verse we chose for him was first peter two seventeen. it says show proper respect to everyone love the family of believers fear god and honor authority so that's kind of all encompassing of how to live in this world i'm yeah. and I'm just going to be like, hey, son, it's really as simple as this. You love God and you love people second. And that and that's just keep it simple that yeah. way. Love God and love people. Yeah. Um, so to make it practical, if I can do something, it's going to be to raise him in such a way that he imitates Christ. And so somehow this big problem can, can move forward even just a little bit, you know? Yeah. Sorry, that was a really long answer. No, no, it was good. And yeah, I... I definitely um, am relating to the us versus them, you know, like 
I think the first week when everything was happening, like, you know, I was, I was hurt and enraged and, you know, like I have a lot of, um, conservative people from back home in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are on my Facebook, you know, like (laughs) just putting really hurtful, like not, and not adding to the conversation type of posts, you know, and And, you know, I think I'm still trying to change my heart and my mind into, you know, like, we all should be on one team, you know, like, this isn't, this isn't a world divided, um, shouldn't be, sometimes it does feel like that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm really trying to just, you know, practice grace, practice patience, um, and, you know, not, you know, you can't, as much as our culture really loves to cancel people, you know, and things like that's not like, I don't know. It's not human, you know, like, right. How do you just cancel someone? Yeah. Life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely, um, agree with the trying to just be more like Christ and show and follow the way he would be. Yeah. For sure. Um, and I think also, um, you know, I think I also am unsure of like, we say like, oh, what's your role? Um, and I don't, I don't think everyone needs to, you know, like, oh, I'm this, I'm that, like specifically to find something like if you, as long as you are contributing some way, you know, like, I think that's the most important thing. Cause I think the worst thing we can do right now is sit back and wait for someone else to figure it out, you know? We don't, or, yeah, there's wait no, for there's someone no else to, <laughs> wait for someone else to do it. Cause like, that's, you know, we would get nowhere if everyone did that. Right, um, right. So yeah, just like you said, like, even if it's, you're doing your part by, um, or you will be doing your part by teaching Kane, like, and you're doing your part by standing up as best as you can for injustice. Yeah. Like Christ would. And yeah, I think, um, that's super awesome and makes me smile. Um, is there anything else random, anything you want to plug that you want to talk about before we wrap up here? Yeah. Um, so I'll tell, I'll tell this, uh, I have oh, two, uh, two more stories. I'll make them quick. I'll make okay. them quick. Um, so here's a story that, um, shook me, right? Okay, perfect. Yes. <laughs> It shook me. It, it it's shaking me. It's all, all that. Um, so 17 years old. This is the summer before going to Apute, mm-hmm. before going to Azusa Pacific. Uh, I am on my way home from uh, church. It was a college youth group at the time. So I was on my way home. I had went to Buffalo Wild Wings with friends to have wings, and that's it. And then um, dropped my girlfriend of the time off. Mm-hmm. So I dropped her off, and now it's 10 o'clock at night. I have a curfew. I know I'm graduating from high school, but Mama still gave me a curfew. <laughs> um, so I have a curfew. Curfew's 10:45. I dropped her off at 10 o'clock. I have plenty of time to get mm-hmm. home with time to spare, no right. problem. Right. So I'm on my way home, and my favorite song comes on the radio. Mm-hmm. And so I got my windows down, so I just blare my music, <laughs> and I'm jamming to my favorite song. I can't sing, but it don't matter because it's just me. Yes. And, you know, so I'm going down the freeway, pitch black at night, and I I look up in my rear view mirror. I'm like, oh, 
crap. <laughs> oh, and I looked down at my speedometer and I was going like, I don't know, 85 or something yeah. like that. It was a 55 because it was a construction zone, but I literally, my ear was just connected to my foot and I didn't yeah. realize that I was going that fast. So I immediately recognized he lit me up and I was like, oh, all right, I got to slow down. So I slowed down to 60 miles an hour. I put on my flashers to acknowledge to tell him like oh I see you I know you, yeah. you want to pull me over but I don't feel comfortable pulling over quite yet we it's pitch black in the middle yeah. of the night on the freeway and nobody else is around except for you and me yeah and in my past experience um with police officers that that that'd been my first experience myself as a driver but with other people <laughs> the police officers always gotten on his radio or you know whatever and like told told the driver exactly what to do like hey, pull over here or go, right. keep going, pull over there. So he wasn't doing that to me. So I was like, oh, okay, then it's, it's fine. I can keep on going. Okay. This is my hometown. I know exactly where I'm going. I'm going to go to the gas station yeah. at the next exit and it's lit. And so we're going to be, we're going to be fine. That's where okay. I feel comfortable pulling off. The problem is, which I realize now, is that that next exit was two and a half miles from the time that he okay. lit me up. Yeah. So I'm going 60 miles an hour. I got my flashers on. and um, I get to the gas station and he tells me to turn off my car. I'm like, yep, got to turn off my car. That sounds right. That's, that's <laughs> fine. He's like, uh, roll down your window. I was like, well, yep, I got to roll down my window to talk to you. That makes sense too. Yeah. Um, the next command he gave me, I was like, what the, he, he said, put your hands out the window. I was like, okay, it's Antioch and it's a little ghetto. He probably just wants to be safe for himself. Yeah. So I put my hands outside the window and he says, all right, get out of the car. And so I get out of the car and he's like, face away from me. And the very next command he gave me after that, I knew I was in trouble. He said, put your hands in the air. And I was like, oh, 17 year old Dallas who thinks he has his whole life ahead of him where he wanted to be a firefighter at the time and go into APU, you know, like my life's over now. And so he tells me to slowly turn around. So I'm slowly turning around with my hands in the air and I see the outline because the lights are blinding me, of five officers with their guns oh. at me. <laughs> and I was I was like, oh my goodness. And so, you know, he did the whole thing, get on the ground and release yeah. your fingers. And so they ended up um, handcuffing me and he go the officer's like, What are you doing? I was like, What do you what do you mean what am I doing? I'm pulling over for you because you you right. lit me up. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, Why didn't you pull over immediately? And so I explained the reason that I already explained to you to him. Yeah. And he goes, so you're just being uh, an idiot. I was like, I mean, I guess I don't know how I don't know how you want me to answer that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he gets me up, and he's like, Do you have any drugs, alcohol, weapons on you? I'm like, No. <laughs> he's like, Do you have any drugs, weapons, alcohol in the car? I was like, No. <laughs> and so he he pats me down. And he puts me in the back of his cruiser, and so I'm back there watching them just absolutely rip mm -hmm. my car apart, mm -hmm. absolutely rip it apart. And he see, you know, obviously they're not going to find anything because I didn't have anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, by this time I had missed my curfew and my mom, he's got my phone, it had fallen out of my pocket yeah. and it's in his front, it's in the front and I could see it ringing and I could see that it's my mom. And so he gets back in there. I was like, Hey, can you, can you call my mom? Um, I just let her know that you have me, that I'm safe, you know, all this yeah. good stuff. He's like, you can call her when we get down to the county jail tonight. <laughs> Oh. And I, I, I kid you not, I was, I about peed my pants right yeah. there in the back seat. And, and he goes, he read me my, my Miranda rights and he said he was going to charge me with, um, you know, evading the police, um, 
Wow. Uh, reckless driving because I was going like 30 over or something like that. Yeah. And one other thing, they were going to all be misdemeanors, but they were they were some kind of hard-hitting misdemeanors. Right. And, you know, me, I'm just thinking my life's over. Right. And so he gets out one more time, does his thing out there with the with his fellow officers, and then um, he comes back in and he looks at my uh, driver's license and he goes, "Hey, hey, man, how 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 old are you?" I was like, "I'm I'm 17." He goes, "Oh, you're 17?" I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "Man, I, I thought you were 24 or 25 by the way you by the way you look." Mm. I was like, "No, I, no, I'm 17." He goes. Oh, okay. Okay. So at that point, my mom had called again and he gets on, he answers the phone and he goes, Hey, this is officer. So-and-so I have your son. He's safe. You can talk to him in a minute. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's all he did. He <laughs> And so I can just imagine what my mom. Yeah. Was your thinking. mom is losing her mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's losing her mind. And that's all he said, but it's, uh, um, so anyways, he went out of the car one more time, talked with his fellow officers. He came back to the to where I was got me out uncuffed uncuffed me goes hey look we just think you were being an idiot teenager and you need to pull over immediately next time like do you understand why we did this do you understand why we took the measures we took I was like yeah I I I understand I I know that I should pull over immediately and I understood why you didn't and this whole time let me be clear I never felt like I was being racially profiled yeah. Um, my mom will tell you different. My mom will tell you different. She will yeah. say it's because I'm black. And my wife will also say that. Um, but they weren't there. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't there. They didn't have this experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never felt racially profiled. The officers were very professional the whole time. Um, and I never, <laughs> aside from the guns pointed at me initially, yeah. You know, I never felt unsafe in in their care at all, if that even makes sense. I don't even know if that could even make sense, but it does in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyways, he uncuffs me. He shakes my hand. He goes, okay, have we learned a lesson today? I was like, yes, absolutely, Sheriff. Absolutely. Um, And so he shook my hand. He was like, here, you are going to get a speeding ticket because you were going pretty dang fast. Yeah. He goes, here's your speeding ticket. That's all you're going to walk away with right now. And, you know, obviously I was super grateful and glad that everybody was safe in this situation. Uh, And so I ended up going home, you know, shaking. I was almost home. The gas station was like right around the corner from my house. I'm like shaking, trying to finish my way home. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I was able to tell my mom the whole story and whatnot. But yeah, that that had me uh, shook up pretty well, for sure, for sure. So, you know, I do, I did have that interaction with law enforcement and, you know, people automatically think that, um, you know, they they think it's a negative one, and that mm-hmm. I I thought they were racial racially profiling me and whatnot, which you know I didn't feel that way, and to yeah. this day I still feel strongly that I still feel that same way. So that was that story. So that that's kind of the theme one for you right there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, last and final story I got for you, I guess, um, is my best friend um, is a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, his name's Seth. He also went to APU and, uh, he's, he's in Washington, but he's a police officer and he's white and he saw a post that I did, um, about, you know, regarding this whole situation that's going on, the unrest that's going on. Yeah. And he, he, he called me cause he was very concerned and he's like, Hey, we need to have a conversation. And I was like, okay, what's up? I haven't you know heard from you in a while. What's up? <laughs> right. 
and he goes, and do you support Black Lives Matter? And I was just like, huh? I was confused. It just came, kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what their organization stands for. I never really looked, you know, looked it up. And mm-hmm. I was like, I haven't contributed, contributed to them financially. I haven't even shared their, any of their content on social media. I haven't even used their hashtag, mm-hmm. you know? So I was just like, I, I'm not, <laughs> it just hit me out, hit me off guard, you know, caught me off yep. guard. I was like, Seth, I, I know, I, I guess is the answer the, is the answer to your question. He goes, I was like, why? And he goes, because, you know, you're, I'm just confused about your post. And so we talked about this post for a little while and, you know, he, he feels really alone and he feels really attacked and he feels, and he's hurting, you know, because, you know, he feels like the world is against him. He's like, Dallas, you know, based on what I see on social media, Black Lives Matter are against killing cops or uh, and and abortions. I'm like, you know what, Seth? I don't. I I really don't know what their organization is about. I really don't. But I'm like, <laughs> I I can tell you're hurting, and I can tell you're hurting, and it breaks my heart to see that you're hurting mm-hmm. because when you hurt, I hurt. We're best friends, right? When <laughs> so when you hurt. I hurt. And so I'm like, so I just started apologizing to him. Like, I'm sorry the world is the way that it is, Seth. I'm sorry that you feel alone. I'm sorry that your wife has to worry about you getting home safely. I'm sorry that both of our sons, he just had a kid as, mm-hmm. as well, have to enter into this world the way that it is now. And I was like, Seth, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't. Yeah. But And then I told him, you know, the whole, I'm going to raise Cain, you know, as the way God would want me to for him to be raised and so we and so in that moment we kind of just broke down and we were able he's like hey Dallas I I'm really sorry um you know I'm just hurting but I'm glad that there's another godly man man in my life like you going through this all and I'm glad we're on the same team and so it ended up working out pretty pretty awesomely but you you know that's that's my friend you know yeah of course yeah yeah and yeah he's your friend and he's you know you both love each other and care for each other regardless of if he's a cop if you're black you know like and I think right now the world is is not seeing um I guess we're just forgetting that everyone is a human yeah um and yes, obviously, we have police brutality, and there are issues with our system, and you know, absolutely, hundred percent, yeah, racism, like that is all still true, but um, absolutely, you know, yeah, but it is also still true that like we are people, you know, and yeah. like, we need to love and care for each other, um, absolutely, and can't disregard each other's lives exactly. um, on either side. Yep. So I agree. Wow, that's really. I'm glad you were able to have that conversation and just like connect with him. Um, because I feel like, you know, so I feel like a lot of people are like polarizing themselves, you know, Yeah. from anyone who like even utters something that they might not understand or, you know, like follow or believe. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I'm glad that he was, he just had the courage, you know, to even ask, you know. Absolutely. I'm glad he did. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. (sighs) All the good stories. You're a great storyteller, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thank you, you. for hours you should start a podcast and then i'll listen to you talk oh ooh, that sounds pretty intimidating <laughs> i'll leave that to you for now <laughs> all right all right dallas well i want to say thank you again for coming on thank you so much this is this has been awesome yes all right dallas have a good night all right you too take care all right bye-bye bye